WATD presents Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. If it's Monday night, it's got to be Monday Night Talk with Kevin Tachi. So thanks for having me on. Kevin, good for you to hold back and let him tell his story. Putting the South Shore spin on politics, current events, and pop culture. You guys are the center of the universe today. At least the political universe. I believe both of you are, are from the area. Marshfield guys, yes, no? Correct, yeah. That's right. There's only one person not from Marshfield in this room right now. That's you. It's me. <laughs> I'm the outcast. Well, you've always been generous with the time. I appreciate it very much. Oh, I'm honored to be on your show tonight, Kevin, with that impressive lineup you have. I believe our guest that we've been waiting for, Congressman Stephen Lynch. Kevin, good to join you. The governor of the Commonwealth, very Charlie good. Baker. You ready? i got to tell you that uh, it was really nice to hear Aerosmith on the intro there. You're going to be the rock and roll governor? I don't know about that. But. <laughs> we have Mayor Joe Sullivan joining us, sir. How are you? Well, Kevin, very good to be with you again. Dr. Drew Pinsky. Dr. Drew, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. Mr. Ming Tsai, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Massachusetts State Auditor Suzanne Bump. Hello, Auditor. How are you? I am fine, and I'm delighted to be with you this evening. And now, your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome and good evening. You are tuned into Monday Night Talk. My name is is Kevin Tachi, and I uh, can't believe it. It is already the week of Thanksgiving 2022. Thank you for giving your radio, radio dial set here uh, to the radio show. Hopefully we can inform you and ent- entertain you with uh, some of our segments this evening. Uh, right after we find out one final time what's happening out on the roadways... We'll check in with Mary Waldron. Mary is not only the executive director of the Old Colony Planning Council, but she has uh, she is now, I believe she's the chair of the Downtown Business Association. And what comes with that title, other than helping the businesses uh, that are part of your association, uh, she has the tall task of a lot of the holiday festivities that take place uh, in Brockton. That includes uh, the upcoming Greater Brockton Holiday Parade, which is uh, returning this Saturday. That is the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and it's uh, it's usually one heck of a get-together. Now, it's, it, doesn't com- it pales in comparison to America's hometown, when they do their Thanksgiving parade, uh, I know there was it was a it was a big bonanza this past weekend, uh, a well put together parade, and it was nice to see um, all the different folks who participated. I had to believe that we're what a year and a half, two years since dealing with a pandemic, but it's nice that we're all able to get back together. Well, this is kind of the same thing with the Greater Brockton Holiday Parade. Uh, Mary will not only give us kind of an update as to some of the great things that the Old Colony Planning Council is doing for their membership, but also some of the things happening in uh, USA Christmas Town, as uh, the great John Marion would expound as he long was trying to uh, make Brockton kind of a, uh, a, uh, a go-to place when it came to the holiday season, a home of the first uh, department store, Santa Claus, Brockton is. So we'll talk with her about... Uh, the parade that's coming up and some of the other holiday festivities that's coming up at 620. Right afterwards, already warming up in our bullpen here at the Monday Night Talk bullpen. Ann Rich uh, is uh, here waiting her her turn to jump on Mike. We'll talk with her about the Salvation Army 
of Plymouth. Now, you probably heard late last week Larry Nelson doing some great cut-ins from down in Plymouth. And uh, some of her messages, some of the messages in regards to the Salvation Army. This will be pretty much it'll be similar, but then some. So we'll have a chance to kind of talk about their mission, uh, what's going on in regards to uh, the the Red Kettle campaign, its importance, uh, maybe some of the misconceptions about the Salva- Salvation Army and also the Salvation Army uh, down in Plymouth. No, you can't go there to get a pair of pants, but there are other great things that they offer. So that's going to be part of our conversation. Some of the needs, it's the holiday season. And some of us have a little bit more, and maybe some of you out there might as well, and it's a great time to give, so keep that in mind. Uh, hour number two, and talk a little music, and why not invite in somebody who uh, knows music, especially, especially local music. Uh, this is kind of a last-minute change. Had to do a little bit of a change on the marquee. John Shea, host of Almost Famous, will pop in. We're going to talk about... Music. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about the uh, the American Music Awards last night, uh, and also knowing that we're coming to the end of 2022, uh, we've lost some great musicians and some great celebrities. We'll talk with John about that. We'll have some some folks who'll call in and chime in and join us. Um, Jared Valenzuela, who loves music, he'll join us as well as Cosmos Masera from um, from uh, a couple of different uh, news organizations, the News App. Uh, he'll join us and call in. And then we'll wrap things up uh, on the holiday note. We'll speak with uh, the folks from Massasoit's Theater Company. And we'll talk a little bit about a Christmas story that's going to be hitting the stage uh, come December. You may not know, but my parents were baby boomers. They listened to vinyl. Soon as I could, I started turning records. Then came cassette tapes, Walkman radios. Music became portable as long as you had extra batteries. Then came CDs, compact discs. They were never that compact. They skipped, skipped, skipped that part. We all bought cars with multi-disc CD changers. Today, cars don't even come with any player. It's pretty much onboard computers, and all music is now online. Even my old pal's high school band. So this Thanksgiving, I'm most thankful for 8-Ball Shifter putting the first album on YouTube. Happy Thanksgiving, women, hands in class in 1995. Yeah, let's rock! Brennan's Smoke Shop, the best smoke shop in New England. Customers must be 21 years of age or older, and proper ID is required. Seriously, 8-Ball Shifter, all day, Thanksgiving Day. All day. Download previous episodes of Monday Night Talk and listen to them anywhere. Check out 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk. And now, more Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. So our first guest is somebody uh, somebody who has, wears many, many different hats. Uh, not only a consummate mom, not only a proud Brocktonian, uh, somebody who has given to charity, you know that she is just coming off of one of her uh, one of the rides of the Mass Pan, uh, Pan Mass Challenge. Uh, she also is the uh, the executive director of the Old Colony Planning Council, as well as someone who uh, heads up the Downtown Business Association. We have Mary Waldron on the line joining us. Mary, how are you? Good. How are you? 
I'm great. Um, I'm doing great, Kevin. And um, I'm, I'm think that you have covered just about everything that I have done over the last few months. So thank you for that introduction. Well, let's start off talking, uh, reminding folks what it is that uh, the old Colony Planning Council does. Some of the things that they do to assist the cities and towns that are memberships, especially when it comes to uh, some of the knowledge and the expertise when it comes to collaborating and getting things done. A lot of people think of Old Colony Planning Council when it comes to transportation needs, but Old Colony Planning Council is much more, correct? We are much more than that, and I love talking about this organization. Um, we have 17 um, member organizations, and um, there's this kind of um, funny part about this, but we also have an additional communities as it relates to the area agency on aging. But um, it really is the 17 communities from Easton and Avon all the way to Plymouth, Plimpton, Duxbury, Kingston, and in between. And um, I've been to all those communities. Um, I have great relationships. And we have a board that is um, very much engaged with um, not just only Old Colony Planning Council, but the community and, and our, our, our region on various issues relating to environment, housing, economic development, um, and as I mentioned earlier, um, with the elder services. So, um, and yes, transportation as well. What happens to be probably the most... Um most talked about thing that's happening right now with the Old Colony Planning Council or that you, you're working on with the membership at this particular time that you want to take a moment to discuss and share uh, information? There, there is so much, but um, there's a couple of things, right? Um, tra- let's go start with transportation. Yes. I just had a phone call from Rhonda Nyman tonight because she's been receiving phone calls um, from the constituents about a sidewalks and the need for sidewalks. So she feels you know, comfortable and, and reaching out to us as Old Colony Planning Council. And not that we can necessarily have a, um, a solution, but we certainly can sit and look at it from the data-driven and, and look at the, um, the, the statistics in terms of, you know, incidents or, um, and, and, or in terms of what kind of investments that have been made. So um, that's one piece. But on top of that has been the designation of an MBTA community. So all of our communities, except for the town of Avon, um, there's been initiative by the state in terms of, of enhancing housing within the, within the, um, within the communities. Um, as anybody know who's a business, when you're trying to attract and maintain your business here, you're trying to lure um, workers. And one of the things that, that is a, a, a linchpin to having those workers is, is affordable housing. Um, and so, you know, we, we, again, we're working with the planning boards, with, um, with the town administrators, with board of selectmen, with engineers, with DPW folks. Um, and of course, you know, um, the managers and, 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 you know, Mayor Sullivan and working on all of those. But most, another thing that has been creeping up has been, um, working with boards of health. And, um, while it tends to be not necessarily in our catchment area, but when you think about it as a region, we're able to bring and convene, um, planning boards and, um, and be an assistance to letting them know when there are, whether there's a grant available or whether there is a, a webinar that they may want to tune into. So we, so again, there's a lot of, it depends upon, you know, what specific time of year. Um, you know, there's also been a lot of discussion about water and accessibility. And um, one of the other hats that I wear, I also serve on the uh, Nuclear Decommissioning, Decommissioning Citizen Advisory Board. And, of course, um, that has been an incredible topic in protecting the um, 
the water within the bay and um, having an active voice on that board. So, Again, you're a person of uh, many hats, Mary. Well, the, the, the one thing I do want to be able to plug is that on December 8th, Old Colony Planning Council is going to be holding a summit to invite our our member communities to know more about what we're doing. And we're holding it in a nice central location. That's at Meadowbrook Restaurant in Hanson. Oh, nice. And uh, I just heard the commercial about, you know, the big rah-rah for Hanson. But um, it is, it's, it's entitled Collaborate, Collaborating Today for a Better Tomorrow. And if we think about having a town sometimes going at it alone, sometimes by knowing what other communities are going through the same thing as they are, you know, whether it's, uh, again, water or housing or whether it's transportation economic development we're able to all work together and row in the same way so that is taking place on december 8th um, again at meadowbrook and if you're interested you can go to www.oldcolonyplanning.org it's worth noting if we could talk a little bit about uh the city of brockton and the yeah. revitalization that the city is is seeing and how it's evolved from being this blue-collar, factory-oriented community to being much more than that. Talk to me about that a little bit, Mary. Oh, I would love that. So one of the things that... So Old Colony Planning Council, we own our building here in downtown Brockton, so we're a property owner. And um, when John Marion had stepped down as president of the Downtown Brockton Association, I um, took that up on an interim basis, but the interim has been a year and a half already. Mm-hmm. But, um, but but again, it's the pieces that are so important. You know, I've had the, the luxury of being around Brockton for a long time, and um, when I worked for Jack Unit when he was mayor, he initiated a lot of things, and here it is, 25, 27 years later, they are coming to fruition. It's not just obviously because of Jack Units, it is because of those mayors and the city councils and people working together. Um, the the train is here and bringing people and there's been um, old mills that have been turned into housing and and Brockton beers down here but it's also the establishments like Joe Angelo and the restaurants and um, you know it's um, there's a lot going and and what's nice about the next step is not only just about downtown but the other sections of of, of, of the town too of the city is you know Campello and Montello. Um, and and Westgate Mall is is vi- you know is still very vital and has a lot of activ- activity. So um, Brockton is seeing a lot of revitalization, and you know the um, what Quincy had gone through, and and I've recently been there and seeing what beautiful what what a beautiful downtown it's turned to be. I know that Brockton is right there on its heels, and um, and and looking to model how it gets done. It's not done just only by investment of dollars; it's by people talking to each other and the conservation commission working with developers and not opposing each other and looking for ways to make the development happen instead of putting roadblocks. Um, you know, those are all the things that are really important and, um, and, and good communication. So, um, having been the DBA president for, I said a year and a half, um, it's been great to see all these things and the investments coming to fruition. And the part that's really important is we are in the process of establishing a business improvement district, which will then be able to hire someone to take on the activities and to um, continue the celebration of all the all this redevelopment. Now, when John Marion stepped down, 
uh, an exuberant John Marion who loved this time of year. Did he hand you the keys to USA Christmas Town and 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 all that entails that? Because you know how proud John has been about the department store Santa being the first, the city of Brockton being the first, and that holiday parade. Nobody nobody danced more during those holiday parades than, than John Marion from the table, you know, the cable table. Um, talk to me about this Saturday and bringing folks back together for the holiday. Right. So this is the best part. John Marion never steps down, which is the best part because he's a great advisor and, and supporter of downtown and mm-hmm. always will be. So that's number one. Um, the keys, um, he continues to hold Christmas Town, and I think that's the piece that will always be because of that history of the first department store. Um, we have a team of, of folks that have come up and stepped up. So this will be um, the first full parade since COVID. Last year was a, a very scaled-back parade, but we have, um, it is this coming Saturday. It's always the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and um there's a, a full day of activity, so it starts with 9:30, where at City Hall it's going to be opened up, and there will be um, the Garden Club's going to be doing arts and crafts. The African American Association's going to be do, doing some arts and crafts as well. Um, there is going to be, you know, the mayor's office is doing some juice and some pizzas and and um, things of that nature, crafts. But then Santa is going to be coming for and photos with Santa will be from 10 to 12 right at City Hall, and then, um, you know, that's kind of like the first location, um, and then uh, there will be performers um, from 10 to 12 in, at the amphitheater in front of City Hall, and drum roll, if you can, we are going to have this gigantic, like gigantic 15-foot snow globe where people can go in and get, like a group of six people can go in and get their photos taken in it. In addition to that, we're going to have this trackless train that's going to go around downtown so it can take um, the families from the city hall and go over to the Brockton Public Library. And the Brockton Public Library has some incredible activities, reading, but as well as activities. On top of that, they're having a planetarium, an inflatable planetarium that is, if one has not been in it, it is absolutely wonderful. Um, Pat Monteef, um, who is um, works Uh, there and runs the planetarium um that will be um, opened up at 10 and goes to 12 1230 as well but there's a whole bunch of activities alone we will this will all be on the dba's website and facebook page um but there's also some other things black owned brockton a group of entrepreneurs is um hosting a marketplace where there is over 46 vendors who are coming with a lot of their homemade activities and and their their skills and their paintings and their artwork and um and then that's going to lead right into a food court where there will be around 10 to 12 um food trucks and food vendors um in addition to all of the restaurants who are offering special fare in the downtown um, so there's a lot of work that's gone into this. There's some incredibly talented volunteers, and it's Amanda and Lisa and Megan and Maureen and Peggy and a whole bunch of folks and, that have been um, all behind the scenes doing some great work. And um, it all comes to fruition on Saturday. So um, I do want to be able to give a shout-out to my to my um, the uh, the partners of the other parade that just was held in Plymouth. I watched it on, on, uh, on TV, and... And they do such a great job, and shout out to C. Plymouth. Um, I sit on their board, and, and they fund all the tourist activities. And um, just, again, just a great way of collaborating with each other. 
So this is a regional parade. Um, again, there's lots of activities that are going to be happening, and, um, and and it will culminate with a tree lighting at City Hall right after the parade. So the parade itself, it stops off, steps off at 1 p.m., and we have over 80 participants in the parade. Wow, that's fantastic. And every year, you know, up until, you know, we all had to deal with a pandemic, and it seemed like it was growing leaps and bounds every year. And it was funny, and like I said, anytime I would talk to John, he'd be like, oh, no, there's going to be thousands, <laughs> thousands of people no, no. here, millions, millions of people. Millions, millions, millions. <laughs> well, I'm thinking, you know, way back when I first started interviewing him, and over yep. the years, it, it grew yeah. As, yeah. as big as it is. So. As yeah. we're getting ready to wrap up, uh, and again, we remind folks uh, this Saturday, don't forget to get to downtown Brockton. Uh, so many things, starting at 9.30 in the morning from 9.30 to 4, all kinds of activities, uh, family-friendly activities. Correct. Last thing Absolutely. I'm going to ask you is I know you also do one other great thing, and that is is laying the wreaths for those yeah. who, who gave their lives. Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, the wreaths that you lay uh, come next month in December. Thanks, Kevin. This one's close to my heart, um, as you know. So the Just Checking In Fund was established by my daughter and myself um, and the Waldron family in memory of my husband. And from the funds that we've raised over the years, um, we've been able to put um, wreaths. We call it Operations Wreaths for Veterans. And it's um, it's a way that we're able to place wreaths um, at Melrose Cemetery on December 17th. Um, that we're It's our message that we haven't forgot our veterans during the holiday. So many, so many families cannot get to their families here in Brockton, and we just want them to know that we haven't forgotten them, particularly our veterans. And um, and this is all again. There's no charge for anybody. We the, the um, just checking in fund pays for the race, and uh, we do get um, uh, lots of volunteers, but particularly local 144 Brockton Fire Department, local 144, and their um, and their team. Uh, there's such an incredible collaboration with us, and um, and we just know that it's just the way that, you know, if you're looking with all the hustle and bustle of, of the season, this is just the way that we're able to just kind of breathe and really take in for what the spirit of, of the holidays are all about. Okay, if you're just tuning in, uh, we're uh, speaking or we're about to say goodbye to Mary Waldron, Executive Director of the Old Colony Planning Council, also heading up the, the Downtown Business Association. Last question, and that is, is uh, your favorite part of Thanksgiving? Is there some a favorite side dish or is it just a favorite meaning to, about Thanksgiving? You know, Kevin, um, for when you go through life with some challenges that I've had, um, losing my husband, but um, battling cancer, um, just getting together with family is so important. Um, it's not the monetary, it's not the food, it's not any of that. It's just really being able to be with family. And in this case, I'll be going over to my daughter and son-in-law's house um, and as they're hosting us so I don't have to cook. Yay. And um, and it's the best part. It really is just to be with family. So thank you. And I wish you, Kevin, and your family and your listeners a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. There she is. Mary Waldron, our guest. Mary, we'll have you back on in uh, in a couple of weeks and uh, talk more about what's going on in the city of Brockton and Old Colony Planning Council. I would love that. Thank you, Kevin. You got it. All right, we're going to step aside, uh, but the show goes on in just a few moments as we have uh, Aunt Rich joining us from the Salvation Army of Plymouth. Stay tuned. You are tuned in to Monday Night Talk here on 95.9 WATD.
Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi, on 95.9 WATD. Each year, about one out of two men and one out of three women will develop cancer. But there's good news. Today's cancer survival odds are much better than two or even three years ago. Things move that fast. So if you're diagnosed, be sure to have someone in your corner who is on top of all the latest cancer treatments and techniques, the latest research, the newest equipment, all the newest medicines available through clinical trials. And speaking of corners, here's more good news. Advanced cancer care is now just around the corner. The Green Cancer Center at Signature Healthcare treats patients locally with all oncology services and specialties conveniently housed under one roof. The center is affiliated with Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, so you'll be seen by Harvard medical faculty physicians and oncologists. The Green Cancer Center at Signature Healthcare, in affiliation with Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. Cancer has just met its match. Find out why at mysignaturecare.org slash cancercare. You're invited to a special art exhibition at the James Library and Center for the Arts. 2021-22 is a free juried art exhibition showcasing and honoring art created during unprecedented times. Through December 17th, see what artists created over the last three years during a life-altering time in our history. Sponsored by Napier Financial and the Cordelia Family Foundation, this show features art of all mediums and is sure to leave a lasting impression. The James Library has a handicap-accessible entrance and parking, an elevator to bring you to the concert hall, art gallery, or library, and COVID safety protocols in place so you can enjoy the best in arts close to home, regardless of physical or financial ability. Visit the James Tuesday through Friday from 1 to 5 and Saturday from 11 to 1 at 24 West Street in Norwell. Plan your trip on the James's special events page at jameslibrary.org. Keep your car in tip-top shape at Joseph's Garage. Have your oil changed, tires checked, get an inspection sticker, or just gas at Joseph's Garage, right down the street from the James in Norwell. Joseph's Garage now offers Gulf Pay at their pumps. Invest your time in listening to Cape Retirement Radio and learn a smarter approach to investing so you can protect your future. Cape Retirement Radio, featuring Chris Latond, Thursday nights at 6.15 and Sunday mornings at 10 on 95.9 WATD. Monday Night Talk on Twitter. Start at 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk. And don't forget to add hashtag Monday Night Talk to your tweets. And now, more Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. It is the time of year of giving something to always keep in mind, as I teased earlier. Uh, joining us for this particular segment is an organization that it, they, pride, they pride themselves on giving and helping others in need. Uh, Ann Rich is joining us. Uh, she is with the Salvation Army of Plymouth. She is an envoy with I them. I am indeed. How are you? I am doing great. Thanks for having us on. We're so grateful. Now, this is this is... Again, as I teased top of the show, you did cut-ins with Larry Nelson. Those were fantastic cut-ins. And, um, you know, I actually had booked you to come on prior to that. And it was, it's kind of nice that we were able to give uh, more information to the folks who were tuned in, folks who are looking to help out others. Um, for folks who don't know, what is the mission of the Salvation Army? 
Our mission is to serve and help, to reach beyond, to have love go beyond, and to every family and community in need. Our particular Salvation Army Corps or church, because we're a military-based, you hear a lot of majors and captains and generals that we have in the Army. Uh, We're based in Plymouth, right on 52 Long Pond Road, but we serve Plymouth, Kingston, and Carver, and all the families in needs and our veterans that are in that community. So, I know that this is a special time of year uh, where folks will start seeing the red kettles, part of a a major campaign. How -hmm. important is this campaign to the mission and being able to give back to others? And and how long does the campaign last? This is a crucial time of year for us. We have this short window, sometimes a little bit before... Uh, Thanksgiving and right up to Christmas Eve, we are out there in force to raise, and we hope to raise in in uh, Massachusetts over 2.6 million through our annual Red Kettle campaign. And to make this happen, it depends upon good people like you and the communities that we serve to come out, individuals, families, community organizations to help us volunteer to ring that bell. That that's where we raise our money, and the money that's raised in the communities that you see those red kettles goes right back to the communities we serve that's what we're all about and if folks want to volunteer they can they can call uh, they can get get a hold of the salvation army ma.org to learn more or they can uh, get a hold of uh, love beyond they can text to 4144 love beyond to 4144 and the salvation army would be happy to uh, to assist and, and appreciate your help so that we can help more How has the pandemic hurt the efforts of the Salvation Army, especially when it comes to not only this campaign, volunteers? Has it been easy to get the word out and get folks to come in if they have free time to help out? It's been tough. The pandemic had a huge impact on on all of us. Uh, We're seeing at this point at least a 50% increase in the need in our communities just from that, never mind going into this season where, you know, heat is an issue, food prices are an issue, our food pantry to give out to our communities. uh, It's huge. So every little bit helps when folks want to come and serve. What seems to be, other than other than volunteers, are there other needs that the Salvation Army seeks? Assistance? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, here at the, the Plymouth Salvation Army Corps on 52 Long Pond Road, we're, we're giving food out. We, we have a food pantry. We always need volunteers for that. We have a summer youth program, our youth camp in Camp Wonderland in Sharon, Massachusetts, where we send kids. Uh, we have a grab-and-go that is always the last Tuesday of every month where folks can just drive in and say how many meals they want. It's prepared in home-cooked style. Everything is is done to specs, and they drive around, and we put those meals in your car. Hey, everybody wants one night they don't have to cook, including me. So we, we encourage that. We don't have it through November and December because all our efforts go out to, to the communities and serve. But come January, last Tuesday of the month, from 4.30 to 6, we'll be there serving meals. Um, all the holiday assistance, our Thanksgiving, I think we gave out over 160 bags of groceries for folks for Thanksgiving. And we're still taking applications up till, I believe, the 9th of December for our Christmas uh, effort and our angel tree where folks can take a tag, go to a store for a family that's in need, and buy those gifts that they're unable to get themselves and we make sure they get back into the hands of those children that need it the most. Is there a tough age to buy for? Is there is there a tough 
need to satisfy that maybe you can put the call out now, especially when it's you're talking about Christmas? Um, it's really we handle our younger kids up to up to age twelve, but our our teens and stuff there. Tweeners, yeah. yeah, yeah. We need the we need clothes. A lot of people will give Legos, but those same kids age, they, they need a jacket. Mm-hmm. They, they need those things that they're able to go to school with. We did a huge, we partnered with Walmart this year and had a wonderful back to school bash, fill a truck up at Walmart. And we just had so many school supplies that we were able to give back to PCIS and all the, the schools in our area for teachers and students that, that wouldn't have, but their resources are there. So again, we're, we're trying to serve. How long have you been with the Salvation Army? Sounds like you are very much invested. I am very much invested. I've been uh, working for the Army for over 21 years. I started off as a uh, the assistant music director in Massachusetts, and I would travel all over from Newburyport out to North Adams, down to Hyannis, Worcester, giving free music lessons to kids and adults in guitar and piano and drums and, and voice and creative writing and theory so that they would be able to go into to their school and test a grade above. We've taught in the Children's Learning Center in, in Dorset Chester for the kids who aren't even in first first grade kindergarten. So they knew all their, you know, their signs and their whole notes and, you know, my name is Half Note Hound, the coolest pooch in town. I only howl once for two beats. Oh! <laughs> so they knew when they, they knew what they were doing when they went in there. So we do the same thing here at 52 Long Pond Road, the Salvation Army. We have music lessons. When we'll start programs back up in January. There'll be one week will be music lessons. We have a sports clinic where we have a half court uh at our at our core so we'll have you know basketball uh, we have music theory we have stem programs where our kids are learning all about science from a fantastic teacher miss sands who comes in she she was one of the first women to go through woods hole oceanographic institute she knows science like you in marine biology they knew parts about horseshoe crabs i never knew existed before but they love what they learn and they go back into school and and do that so we're always looking for professionals to come and help uh, teachers who want to come in and volunteer their time, community members, firemen, policemen. Our kids need to, to know what's going on in our community so that they can know what they want to become. Just tuning in, we're speaking with Ann Rich. Give me the passion coming from Ann, uh, talking about the Salvation Army. And Salvation Army is more than just somewhere where you go buy some <laughs> some used pants. Um, so much more where they, they give back to the community. Um, they offer programs, mm-hmm. and there's also there's a religious uh, um, part to the Salvation Army as yes. well. Was isn't that the origin of the Salvation Army? It is. It is. It was founded in England in 1865 mm-hmm. and expanded to the United States and through the 1880s and 1890s. We've been the Salvation Army uh, Corps or Church Corps and Community Center in Plymouth for over a hundred years. We hear a lot about our thrift stores. I have folks come into our building on 52 Long Pond Road wanting pants all the time. And I say, I'd love to give you pants, but, but we're not the thrift store. We are the church and community center, um, and we're here, we're here to serve. But I can tell you where they are in Brockton, but all the funds that work in our adult rehabilitation centers, that goes into helping people change their lives. So that's, we have our, our Salvation Army Church, our cores, and we have our adult rehabilitation center. It's it's still all one army, but we're just not the thrift store there. 
Now, I know that there's also a part of the Salvation Army that there are folks who are recovering and who need. Is that, yes. the, is that the rehabilitation part that it you're is. talking about? It is. You're absolutely yeah. right. That's exactly it. And lives have been tremendously changed through that. And is all of this originates from the Red Kettle Campaign? Or is the Red Kettle Campaign strictly for helping those during the holidays? Or, or is that money that's co- collected from now until Christmas Eve to help fund everything that the Salvation Army does? No, that is specifically for our Red Kettle Campaign for the for the cores and the service extension areas where there's not a church. We have service extension areas that cover those areas where there's not a Salvation Army Corps in. So that that money raised goes back into the communities that we serve. And what you see with our thrift shops, that money raised there goes to help our adult rehabilitation center. So, you know, every shirt, pair of pants, sneakers, they make a difference to change a life of a man or a woman that has had trouble with addiction in one way, shape, or form. So it, it's really two separate things. But uh, I, I know our, our area here in Plymouth, and I know that the need is great. We have a kettle kickoff tomorrow from 3.30 to 4.30. So if you're not busy, which I know you always are, sir, you're welcome to come out. We'll have North River Brass uh, playing for us again. It's really a Carver Awareness Day, so we're able to honor the uh, Shane Gives Back pantry. Uh, We're able to have our our kettle kickoff out there, but also to let folks know that we have Good Neighbor Energy Fund, that we have these uh, youth camps and things that we do to give back to the community. And so folks know, because I think we're one of the best kept secrets. Though, I will tell you, in listening to your last Mm -hmm. segment with with veterans, you know, the Salvation Army Lassies in World War I, they were on the front lines. They crawled in the front lines in the muck and mire to serve the men whose morale was down because they they were out there being battered. And so that's how the whole donut uh, thing came around with the Salvation Army. They actually got lard and bread, I mean, and flour, and they made donuts and helmets. And when the men smelled that and they had the coffee, it made them think of home and it was able to keep fighting. Energize them. Energize them, mm-hmm. yeah. But most, they don't know that the lassies, as they were called then, were out there doing that. So today, we're honoring veterans. Matter of fact, on November 25th and 26th, If you are a veteran or you're a family member of a veteran and you'd like to stand, we'll be honoring the veterans at all of our kettle sites in Plymouth, Kingston, and Carver. That day, it's called Salute to Veterans. So if you want to come out and and ring and help us out with that, we will honor you when we have our appreciation dinner in a very special way as we honor our veterans. So we say thank you to veterans because they're the ones who have given the ultimate price, and we are grateful for their service. And what's your favorite, what is your favorite part of your job and is there a story that that stays with you to to this day that you've been able to help somebody you've you've been able to witness someone get assistance and be greater uh, grateful for it there are more stories than probably that that i could count um for me having a background of music and still having a background of music and sharing that when you take uh, a young over the years that i've served Many of my students are professional musicians, they're teachers, they're doctors. My son is uh, comes from the Salvation Army. He's the organist at Christ Church. He's the conductor of the South Shore Conservatory. Conservatory. He's he's been in Europe conducting, and his his roots are. Uh, he's a high school music teacher in Hyannis. His roots are the of what came out from teaching others through the music mentoring program. But I think. 
one of the profound things is seeing a, a young kid being put on a piano stool whose feet don't reach the floor and learning to find all the C's on the piano and learning to fall in love with that instrument and being able to want to do more with it and have it change their lives. I had the experience of speaking with a, a man just, just recently, a very learned man. He was on the Plymouth Airport, uh, Airport Commission, uh, Mr. Dennis Smith, who had the opportunity as a young man to go as a CIT or a counselor in training at our camp in Camp Wonderland. And what he did there taught him about kids going to camp how to experience being away from home the fresh air giving back and he learned about himself he learned about how to communicate to others and give back those skills that made him the man he is today and beyond just from experience that giving so it changes you know when when we work together as a community it changes lives just like WATD does you know you communicate truth you communicate hope you bring people together and together we're stronger so that's what we want to do so if folks want to help and they want to learn more they can go to salvationarmyma.org to learn more or in, in what you can do is you can text love beyond to 4144 and the Salvation Army will be grateful for all your help and I would love to come by come by 52 Long Pond Road the Plymouth Salvation Army Church and Community Center our core we have pickleball come on and play some pickleball with you with us yep yep we have senior groups and we have a group called Common Ground which is a no judgment zone we'll talk about what we have in common so we are grateful thank you Kevin for for having me on I appreciate it you, know, you, you don't get off that easy now what what is your favorite part of Thanksgiving? Is it a matter of just the family getting together or do you like the meal? Is there a favorite part of the meal that you, you like that you want to share with the audience? Hey, you know, I, I love being with family. I'm very grateful for my mom and I'm very grateful for my son. So this, and, um, and his girlfriend, Carrie, we get together and just family time is, is what's important and, and appreciating who you're with and seeing them, not the stuff I've got to do, you know, not the things that are left for us to do, but but just just being together and really just being together, I think. As far as the meal goes, now who doesn't like a good meal, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I learned how to make uh, a corn pudding. And I learned it from a 100-year-old woman who is named a sea captain's wife, Rebecca Ryder was her name. And uh, she passed that tradition down. And I've, uh, matter of fact, we just had our, our Thanksgiving at the core. I made that there. So I always look forward to the sweet corn pudding and uh, uh, with the rest of the meal and, and just actually being together as family. She is Ann Rich. She is with the Salvation Army in Plymouth. Stop on by. And again, if you have time, they definitely need volunteers for their That's Red Kettle true. campaign. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much com for coming in, sharing your message. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome. I have, finally get to meet you. This is great. Have a happy Thanksgiving. You too, Kevin. Thank you. That concludes the first hour of Monday Night Talk. I know it went so fast, but that's okay. There's more to come. Hour number two, straight ahead. You are tuned in to Monday Night Talk here on 95.9 WATD. Stay tuned.
is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. All right, hour number two later this hour. Speak with the folks from Massasoit Theater Company. Talk a little, a Christmas story. Mark Rashido's a legend. He definitely he is. Uh, the hair. And we know um, <laughs> uh, Jim Sullivan is here. Jim is the director, as well as we actually have Ralphie, Ralphie in the play, who is uh, Nicholas Kubek. Old man, George Kippenhan, and the mother, Erin Thomas Lapatowski. Can you say old fudge on the radio? I think you can. Have okay. You, by the way, speaking of A Christmas Story, have you seen the the uh, the sequel? I'm trying not to. I actually attempted to watch it the other night. I don't want it to, to destroy it's, my childhood. It's, it's on HBO Max. I barely could get through it. <laughs> it's really like Ralphie that kind of does like the solo. It didn't work. I just, I, it was, if, be the judge of it yourself, but, so John's here, the thought is, so Cosmo Macero uh, is, uh, is going to be joining us, Cosmo is going to be actually here, uh, Cosmo, we know him from Seven Letter and the Newsbreak app, uh, he was going to be here, we were going to talk music, he wanted to talk about some of the great shows that we've seen, concerts, and also the losses we have suffered this year uh, for celebrities, especially Musicians. There's been a few. And the first one, John, John was like, he had uttered when he just came in the studio. Like, Cosmo's already already on the line. We'll have Cosmo join us in half a second here. Um, but what's interesting is, is that, that Taylor Hawkins. Yes. From the Foo Taylor. Fighters. Um, I remember seeing Foo Fighters in Fenway the second night. And what an amazing band. And being the drummer, you are what drive you drive the band. You're what. Well, you it's know. weird because the, the 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 night he passed away, I was with a bunch of buddies uh, in Carver at Brewery Forty Four, talking about Spinal Tap, and the you know the the spontaneously combusting drummers, <laughs> and I get in my car to drive home, and on the radio they're talking about Taylor Hopkins just passed away. Right. So it's like we almost had a little you know karma there. We may have <laughs> unearthed. Again, as you may or may not know, uh, John Shea hosts uh, a fantastic show, award-winning show, called Almost Famous. Yes. And he's had uh, his share of almost famous, if not famous, people who have been on the show. So uh, he's quite a bit of a... Uh, when it comes to music, he knows his stuff. And, and I want to say, I remember back in the day that uh, when Bob Hedlund used to sit behind this yes. microphone... He would actually have you on. Yes, we'd get into arguments. Quite you'd a bit. get into arguments about music. <laughs> what, what would you say was the most memorable argument you got into with Bob Headley when it came to music? Oh man, something about UHF. I'm sure something like or UFO. I mean UFO. Yeah, so something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because he would always try to. He also try to stump you. Was it you try to stump him? Yes. Or he tried to stump you. Yes, vice versa. And I, the psychedelic furs. He was big on to them too. Yeah, he's every time we turn around. Every time I see him on in my newsfeed, he's always is this some show that he is he's taking in and he's sharing video. Let us uh, we'll bring in now uh, Cosmo Macero. Cosmo, how are you? Hey, Kevin. How are, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on. You got it. We also so John Shea is uh, he hey is. I, I actually called him off the musical bench. John is quite the. He knows music. He knows local music, 
and I thought he would probably have some stuff to share. We're also anticipating Jared Valenzola somehow making his way in here, seeing that he's kind of a music honk himself, too. I think he's on the phone, too. Is he on the phone, too? You're kidding, George. Jared, you're on the phone? Kevin, I love the, I love the crossover here with John Shea. This is great. Hey, there. I get to do a show with him. <laughs> so are, are, you on, are you making your way here now, or have you kind of given up? I, no, I'm en route. I, my GPS gives me 15 minutes away, so I figured I'd do this. So the show will be over by the time he gets here. Yeah, the show will be over by the time I get dude. there, and the guy will be done. But that's all right. Um, so maybe we'll do a little hybrid here. How's that? We can do a little bit of we can, we can do a little bit of a hybrid. Uh, you know, well, first we'll start off with you know the the concept. I will I will give credit to Cosmo. Cosmo was like, hey, let's. Let's do a show and talk about some of the, the great, you know, concerts we've seen, whether it's local, maybe some of the legends we've be, been able to see, but also kind of roll it into folks that, that have left us that will, will no longer be able to hear some of the great stuff that they created that we listen to still to this day. Am I right, Cosmo? Yeah, we had a little text conversation and... Uh all of a sudden, we have a show, and uh, this is great. And I, I'm a big fan of Jared's program. I'm a listener to Almost Famous, so I'm, uh, I'm excited. So uh, I'll let you start it off, seeing that you're the the, the, the godfather of this particular segment. Um, what would you say are some of the most memorable shows that you've been able to see over the years? No, I thought about this. And by the way, it, it, it's a, it's a, it is, a, sadly, a diverse and... Uh, sort of um, interesting uh, collection of musicians and uh, pop stars and of all types who passed in 2022, and I know we'll get to that. Yep. But I, I tried to think about old and new and, and, and you know, live performances that I've had the chance to see um, in different ways, um, going way, way back, and then some, you know, right, right up until this year. So... I would say we, we we did a segment not long ago about Van Halen and Eddie Van Halen and, and you know I think for a lot of people your your first concert is a big deal and that was mine so I'd say that's incredibly memorable but I have to say when I think of one of the best live performances I actually saw they were up close and in person um in in an old rock club that i actually worked at i was a, a doorman a bouncer with a bunch of other people in the 1980s it was called the channel in boston oh, yeah. some of you probably remember it and i got a chance to see the allman brothers now of course I, I'm, I, uh, the allman brothers without dwayne allman were passed many years before but it was a it was a good early version of the band with 50 bets still fully uh competent and playing and and it was a tremendous. So I think I was, I think I was after 18 or 19. I don't even think I was old enough um, to get in there. But that was just an unbelievable show when we were right up close. And then another one when I was working there, um, a, there was a few. Um, I, I actually saw Rick James at the channel, and all kinds of you know activity broke out in the parking lot. I got to escort him out the door, but Iggy Pop. Who, you know, I respect as just a great um, figure in in, um, in in punk and, and in the, you know uh, in, in that era of music in the 70s. 
he was unbelievable to see live, and I saw him there also. So those are some early shows. If you're talking, I'm 55 years old. That's me between the ages of 19 and maybe 22. Um, and then somewhere in the middle, I, I'll come back to after the other folks uh, uh, on this uh, program uh, can share some of that, theirs, because I've got a few more that are really memorable. Um, but very recently, and I don't mean to be parochial, but I'm talking about a performance, or actually several performances at the Levitate Festival, right, in our beloved Marshfield, and there's the reggae act. It's one of the biggest acts, I think, in the country right now in the reggae genre, which, again, I'm, I'm, I, I respect it and really enjoy it. I'm not a, a deep reggae fan, but stick figure in the... In the, in the uh, um, you know, the, the founder of that act is actually from the, uh, the South Shore. Duxbury, I believe. I think he lives, uh, Duxbury. And I have seen that. They've actually played every single Levitate Festival, and I've actually attended every one, I think maybe except one. And, I, and I'm constantly amazed at how good they are. And this year's um, performance was so strong uh, that, I, that I recruited my wife into, into loving this, the, this band. So. Uh, that's one of the greatest music performances I've seen, and I'll I'll pause there because there's, there's a bunch in between Tom Petty and Grateful Dead and a lot of others wow. that have really stuck with me. But those early ones, I feel like I was part of history seeing uh, on all my brothers until like in 1986, and then um, more recently this Dick Figure performance is absolutely stellar. Good, John. I'll let you I'll let you jump in because you've you have you've had the chance to see folks. Up close, and, and whether it's local, and you're, you're a music connoisseur yourself. My very first concert, I was in, I want to say, junior high. My dad took me to see John Fogarty. And uh, I think at the time, it might have been Great Woods, and it was the first time that he was allowed to perform his Creedence stuff live as opposed to... Legally? Uh, legally, exactly, because of all that, that random lawsuit about, you know, plagiarizing himself. Um, I think the most unusual concert I've been to, and don't laugh when I say this... About 2016 or so, I've been thankful here at the radio station, I get a couple of, you know, every once in a while I get a random phone call to say, hey, we've got passes for a show tonight mm -hmm. at the Orpheum. If you want them, they'll be at the will call window. And it was the coldest day in the history of Boston in 2016, I think it was, and Brian Adams was at the Orpheum. Cuts like a knife. So I got, you know... But it feels so right. They say, you know, we've got a pair of tickets there. If you want them, they're yours. You know, the show starts at 7 o'clock, doors at 6. So I, you know, drive to the Orpheum, and I, I picked up, I was, you know had a girl I was interested at the time and picked her up in Brighton. We drove to uh, the Orpheum and we get to the will call window and he, uh, the, the ticket agent says, these are your tickets and these are the two backstage passes. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, you know, during the, <laughs> during intermission, you know, go to the, uh, the backstage area, they'll let you through and, you know, you can meet and greet Brian Adams. Sure. Sure. So I go back there and there's four people back there. There's me, um, my date at the time. And this uh, kid in a wheelchair, and I think it was his caretaker, trying to help the woman with her phone, trying to get her, her camera to work so she can get a picture. And Brian Adams walks out, walks over to my date, puts his arm around her, and they walk off together. Wow. It's <laughs> on for like three seconds. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, but I think it's like some of the best concerts I've seen, though, were uh, I've been involved with quite a few festivals around here. The Life is Good Festival. Uh, Dave Matthews played that. Hall and Oates played that. Um, Ray LaMontagne played that. Wow. A lot of local bands, too, that I, you know, got to, you know, see growing up in the scene here. 
And uh, the Boston Calling this past year was fantastic. Yeah, with, uh, the, the sad note with the Boston. The sad note was is that the Foo Fighters, the Foo Fighters, were yeah, supposed to just play before that. Before that, yeah. Taylor Hawkins passed away. Jared, uh, I'll let you share your thoughts. Kevin, oh yes, sorry, I, I you dropped for a minute there. Um, so I, I will, uh, I'll interject with a couple. I, I do have my own backstage story, which I think has been no secret to anyone that listens to my show or me talk for five minutes. But certainly, meeting Paul McCartney was um, shut up the highlight. <laughs> highlight of my life and, and, and my career to date. I will say, though, t- talking about um, aspects that you've, that you've seen, um, you know, I love classic rock. A lot of the, the acts that I see are, I mean, the Beatles will never come around. Pink Floyd certainly will probably never reunite. But I can't tell you how grateful I am to have seen the Rolling Stones four times before Charlie Watts passed away. I, I think when you talk about legendary performances and live performances, and how great Jagger and Richards and Ronnie Wood are. That entire thing was really held together uh, by Charlie Watts. And I can't tell you how grateful I, I am to have seen him live. Um, my first concert ever was Foreigner. My dad took me 25 years ago, maybe now. It was in the late 80s. Um, but I can tell you, aside from all the McCartney shows, and, and, and everybody knows I travel, so I have some little niche stories from that, like going to Canada and passing through customs wearing a Beatles shirt, listening to the Beatles, and the customs agent, border agent surmising I was going to Montreal to see Paul McCartney. Um, but seeing Charlie Watts, but I will tell you, I've, I've had the pleasure, two, two Pink Floyd albums are, are two of my favorite uh, albums of all time outside of the Beatles, The Dark Side of the Moon and The Wall. I was lucky to see Roger Waters perform both of them in their entirety live. Uh, the Wall especially is such a theatrical performance. Now, granted, Dark Side of the Moon is uh, one of my all-time favorite albums. Again, non-Beatles category. It is my favorite non-Beatles album. Uh, but The Wall was such a theatrical performance. I went and saw it on a Thursday night. And I remember I was driving home from work. He did three shows in Boston at the Garden. And I was driving home from work that Sunday night was the third and final show, listening to the radio. The announcer was still tickets available. And I said, you know what? I don't know when he's going to do this again. He may never do this show again. I have to go in and see that show again. And uh, it was a phenomenal show. And, um, and I've had the pleasure of seeing a lot of those folks. They all played together at um, Desert Trip, which was a, a show uh, put on six full set at uh, the, uh, Bob Dylan followed by the Rolling Stones, then Neil Young followed by Paul McCartney, and then The Who followed by Roger Waters. Uh, those are like my all-time favorites. Uh, maybe missing Led Zeppelin or a piece of Zeppelin from that. So I was really grateful to be able to go to that. It was held where Coachella is held out in Indio, California. Uh, and that was probably uh, one of the greater weekends of music. Uh, that I've ever had the pleasure of experiencing. But then, you know, the newer shows. I'm a huge Third Eye Blind fan. I love seeing Third Eye Blind. As John knows, he was trying to help me uh, get in backstage to see him uh, this past summer. Um, and then last but not least, uh, Blink-182. I'm going to try and see them. I, did, I, I thought their tickets were outrageous until I saw what Taylor Swift's were going for. Um, but I'm definitely <laughs> looking forward to uh, trying to get in that show. I've seen Blink, but not the real lineup of Blink. Uh, which, of course, is reuniting for their show coming up uh, in, I think, February next year. So those are that's a little sampling of my musical exploits. Jared, I have to ask, you mentioned uh, Pink Floyd. Have you seen The Dark Side of Oz? 
I have not. I have not. Well, you know, I have, I've done that a little bit. I've, I've, I've not imbibed in what you're supposedly supposed to imbibe in before you do that. But I've seen a chunk of it, John, and it, it does work. It does. It's, like, <laughs> it's kind of freaky. It, it's freaky how well it works. <laughs> it's excellent, though. But no, I, I have a record player, and I can tell you the dark side of the moon uh, especially is one that definitely wears out the needle. Because <laughs> I... That everything about that album is is fantastic. It was way ahead of its time, uh, and to see Roger Waters do it live was definitely a top moment for me. I want to kind of go do it in between. It's it's interesting that the Rolling Stones were mentioned. Um, just like Cosmo, I've had times where I've been able to work uh, productions, whether it was at Great Woods or over at the stadium in uh, Gillette Stadium, having to see. Uh, the Stones, when they came and they were doing what was supposed to be their last tour, um, to seeing Kid Rock with uh, Run DMC uh, as the, the, the trio before uh, the untimely passing uh, of one of the members, and Aerosmith. It's interesting that it was mentioned by John about getting backstage pass passes, being able to work backstage and then seeing the show afterwards. Because you have to wait until they tear everything down. With Kid Rock, it's interesting because during that time, Kid Rock was dating Pamela Anderson, and she actually was backstage when we had to go out oh, and, wow. and, and tear everything down. It was very interesting. Um, but being able to see a show like that, uh, Rush, their 30th tour uh, with Neil Peart, if anybody's a prog, a rock fan, uh, seeing them play their entire catalog. If you're somebody who grew up in the... The late 70s, early 80s, Rush was... We have Don Halper around here to thank for the success of Rush. Yeah, you know, so... Uh, and, Ar again, I mentioned Aerosmith. I mean, I saw them in the back in the saddle days just as they were kind of making the return and then seeing them when they were doing, you know, the amphitheaters. Um, I think the, the big thing is, is it's great to go and see a concert where you may see a couple of acts, but then to go and do something in a stadium like the Foo Fighters in 2018. I know um, I had a chance to see them um, prior to Taylor Hawkins passing. And there's nothing like seeing a concert at Fenway. I think Jared would attest to that, and I think even Cosmo. Yeah, no, yeah absolutely. I, I, I saw so lightning round for me, I'll go quick, but uh, I've seen Tom Petty probably more than any other. Uh, Tom Petty and Hartford is more than any other band I've seen. Um, Saw so them at Fenner. It was a great show, but some great shows by them at Great Woods, uh, Rich Stadium in Buffalo. You know, I um, 20 years ago, I saw Jeff Beck, 20-plus years at the Orpheum. Unbelievable. A, a, a month ago, I saw him at the MGM Music Hall, and it just, it's just—it's miraculous. It's impossible for him, for him to hit a bad note. You know, I, I, love, I love really interesting guitar players, and he was just amazing. But I'm always um, impressed when a band is super tight and super just right on the money and, mm -hmm. and, and when they're live. Because not all bands are. And in some cases, it's, it's an off night. In other cases, just that their lifestyle is a lot looser. And um, But I love when a, when, a, when a group is real tight. And a couple, you know, there's two acts that I've seen multiple times in recent years that, I, man, I wish I saw them when I was a teenager because if they're this tight now, Peter Frampton, he's retiring, I think, from performing... Unbelievable! I've seen him in the last, you know, several times in the last ten years. And Cheap Trick, you know, one of the greatest live albums of all time, uh, to their credit, 
I would have loved to have seen them as a teenager, but they were just so tight just a few years ago. And yeah. then a couple more, Soundgarden, uh, you know, uh, 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 before the singer uh, sadly passed. Chris Cornell, Incredibly yeah. tight, incredibly great live. I went to see Black Sabbath just because I was like, this is going to be fun. I'll get some kicks out of it. I love Black Sabbath, but how good, is this, how good could Ozzy be at this stage uh, in his career? And I walked in as they're playing that song, the song Black Sabbath, that dark, deep, kind of mystical, frightening song from their first record. And I couldn't believe how great they were alive and how strong his voice was yeah. at this stage in his career. And then the very last one I'll mention, again, sadly, Scott Wheeler had already passed away. Chester Bennington, for one tour, was playing with Stone Temple Pilots. I saw them at the old, I think it was the old Avalon. Oh, my goodness, they absolutely blew everyone away, and he was such a great vocalist to step in. And then, of course, he had a tragic ending, too. But right. those two brothers, those Leo brothers, they're like peanut butter and jelly. They are so perfect on stage together, working off each other. So that was a, a great show. Interesting enough, so and I mentioned, so thank you, Cosmo. I, I mentioned Jared. I know, Jared, you had a chance to... Um, Go to Fenway Park for a show or two this year, yes? I did. I made it to quite a few, Kevin. And and I'll just note, um, when you were talking as I was as I was pulling in about retirement tours you've seen, I, I got to say, whether it be like The Who or The Stones, thank yes. God yeah. none of these guys actually followed through on retiring because I never would have saw them. But, yeah, I, I, I had a handful of shows at Fenway this year, two Paul McCartney shows, uh, Aerosmith's uh, twice rescheduled 50th anniversary show. I had never seen Aerosmith. That was actually my first time. Uh, so I was grateful to see them. McCartney made his return with, with what could be potentially his last time. I mean, he generally comes to Boston every four to six years. Mm. Um, and it was great for me this year. He came back. I saw him four times. A lot of nice memories from those shows because they were leading up to his 80th birthday. But it was nice to go with, with friends and family who, who hadn't seen him yet. Um, to be able to take in seeing a Beatles, seeing someone who all the acts we've talked about, I think all of them collectively would generally give a lot of credit to what the Beatles did to, to lay the groundwork for those arena shows and, and everything else. So um, I, I will admit, I think Fenway's getting better with their acoustics, John. I, 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 I've never seen a concert there, to be you've honest. You've never seen one. So the, <gasps> so the biggest problem with Fenway... Been pod, Gillette, but not, not Fenway. Yeah, the biggest problem with Fenway, and I've seen a lot, whether it be McCartney, Billy Joel, The Who... Um, I've seen a lot of Tom Petty. No, did I see? No, I saw Tom Petty at Great Woods. But um, the 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 sound bounces off the wall. It just doesn't. It just it's it, it's aesthetically fun. It's neat. It's cool. You're at Fenway Park. Steven Tyler did Dream On on sitting at the piano on top of the Green Monster with you know Joe Perry rocking up behind him. So like that's that's really cool. But like. The sound, they sound great. It just sometimes Fenway acoustically can be a, a struggle, but. Um, I enjoy heading in there. It's a lot easier than going to the Mansfield or Foxborough for sure. Um, but I will tell you, my, my favorite venue is acoustically uh, probably what's it, the old Harbor Lights. It's it's got a bank sponsored name now uh, in the Seaport District where I've seen uh, Robert Plant. I saw Bare Naked Ladies there. Yep, I've seen them uh, there as well. So um, so it's been a it's it it's good to have these different venues, but I I enjoy the smaller ones. John? So just a random thought. Just I know you mentioned Taylor a little while ago and her yeah. just gets and all that. And just, so, <laughs> and just so everybody knows, we got three minutes left. So. Yes. yes. So 
It went Taylor, fast. So we're talking about people who we lost this year. Taylor Swift broke some records this year. The first, Don't not just get the me first, started. not just the first woman to have the complete top ten, but the first artist to have the entire top ten of the Billboard Hot 100. If you listen to, if you listen to his Sir. show two weeks ago, oh, I ranted had, about it. He ranted about yeah, it, and I'll rant again about Drake's supposed record too. That's a ridiculous. But, but, does, she, but does she deserve it? I, well, you know what? As far as I'm concerned. Basically, no, Billboard shouldn't be measuring the way they do, and that's how she gets that record. So does she deserve it? I guess I would rather go to her than some... But what if it was Pink Floyd's, you know, uh, Dark Side of the Moon? But that you know... Reissued. Better, but, right, but you know better than I that they would not have released the entire album... Um, but they did. Uh, that's no, that, no, but they that's would not have they did it, though. Right, but, that, but Taylor Swift only gets that credit because Billboard counts streams... And because people were just streaming the whole album... But if Dark Side of the Moon came out tomorrow, would it have done the exact same thing? If it was as popular as it was back yeah, in 1973? Again, I, I hope... I personally hope... And, and Drake is doing something similar to Taylor Swift. This is not a... This, this is not an assault on Taylor Swift. It was more an assault on the way Billboard changed their measurements. Because I think it's an unfair thing but to say... But player. If Dark Side of the Moon got the airplay that... It wasn't because they measured it based on singles. This though. sounds like a debate. For the JV yeah, team. For, what are you doing Wednesday? For, for another show. <laughs> uh, Cosmo, I'm going to give you an opportunity to... Uh, we got we get just under two minutes left here. Uh, somebody that we lost this year uh, musically that, you know, you want to pay homage to. Yeah, the coal miner's daughter, Loretta Lynn. Loretta you know, Lynn, yep. Uh, big impact. Uh, I'm a big country music fan, as in uh, old-school kind of uh, uh, classic country music and outlaw country. But Loretta, Loretta Lynn was a big loss. Jerry Lee Lewis also, another one that's uh, uh, another classic artist the past this year. So um, they, they may not be at the top of the list of people thinking mostly about pop artists and rock, but uh, definitely uh, classic American artists no longer with us. I would say Meatloaf. That's right. Right? Meatloaf passing this year. Olivia Newton-John. Yep. And yep. Taylor Hawkins. And Dusty Hill from ZZ Top. That's right. Big one. Big one. John? I'm yep. going to say Jerry Lee Lewis because he was the, the last of the Million Dollar Quartet. Ooh. Elvis, Carl Perkins, Scott... Johnny Cash, Ray Orbison, he was the last one. I didn't even realize groups. he was still alive until he passed away. <laughs> I didn't either, really, to be honest. <laughs> That's kind of like Chuck Berry, too, for the longest time. Did you have one thing to, to, I was to just say? Gonna, I was just going to add, for my year of, of shows, I, one of my favorite things, and I don't know if, if my cousin's listening, but I've seen Ringo Starr a whole bunch, and my favorite Ringo Starr song, solo or Beatles or otherwise, is Octopus's Garden. And he had never performed it live. I've seen him not as much as, but I've seen McCartney 17 times. I think Ringo's up to 10 he wow. finally, finally did Octopus's Garden this year live, which was a really nice one. I love that song. I don't know why, but I do. And it's funny. they He, he did a picture book based on the lyrics that I gifted to my newborn nephew. And my cousin tried reading it. Not real. I think she figured out it's a song, so she listened to the song <laughs> and the lyrics. It made more sense reading because it doesn't read unless you really know the song. So I was really ecstatic. Ringo did Octopus's Garden. Well, I want to thank the three of you for thank you. for for being a part of the segment, Jared. Thank you for the uh, for driving up this way. I know, of course. I know. I know your hometown is just a bit way that way. That so way, yeah. You're coming from through. Rochester. Had to do a nice commissioner's presentation there, as always. A lovely town in Plymouth County. So, but I was glad I was able to work in the number one rated program in Marshfield. Well, I appreciate you coming in, John. Thank you. Last minute uh, jumping in. Yes, and, of and, course. And Cosmo, who uh, was uh, the 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 thought behind it. So thank you, Cosmo, for being a part of the, sh uh, the segment. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, 
Kevin, and thank you guys for joining. It was a lot of fun. Got it. Absolutely. Well, we're going to step aside, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little Christmas, a Christmas story with the Massasoit Theater Company in just a moment. You are tuned into Monday Night Talk here on 95.9 WATD. Stay tuned. is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi on 95.9 WATD. The Black Friday event is going on right now at Cork Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram on Route 139 in Marshfield. Cork Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is one of the largest dealerships of its kind in New England, featuring an incredible inventory of brand new Ram trucks, great customer service, and Cork's Chrysler Certified Service Department. Cork Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is accessible from all across the South Shore, just off Route 3 at the new Exit 27. Visit Don't miss the Just Steph show every Monday night from 8 to 10 p.m. for fun guests and tips on living your best life every day. I'm bringing sexy back to Monday nights. Tonight from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. You like my new car? Well, I like that new car smell. What is that infernal binging? Oh, it's part of the driver assist. Standard equipment nowadays. Assist? Yeah, watch. Hey, cut that out. You're, you're way too close. Yeah, it's, it's telling me that. See the text? Watch out. What was that? You were driving too close. That truck snapped back a rock. And now I have a cracked windshield? You know, your mother was a way better driver assist. Please, kindly check your windshield. I'm Peter Brown from Tiny and Sons Glass. We replace your windshield, and insurance pays. 1-888-64-TINIES. Just call, and thank you. Holiday well wishes and cheerful tidings are one thing, but after a year of good behavior, we're all wondering, what's in Santa's bag? Listen December 1st through the 16th for Santa and his bells and be the correct caller to identify the toy you'll hear about in a classic commercial. And you'll get a nice new prize from your station for all seasons. 95.9 WATD. Find Monday Night Talk on Facebook and share your opinions. Go to 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk. Right, we return for more Monday Night Talk here at 95.9 WATD. Time to get into the holiday spirit. So we're going to talk a little bit about Massasoit Theatre Company's A Christmas Story. And here before me, actually there's a lot in this room. Uh, of course, the ringleader, Mr. Mark Rochito, is here. Uh, but he's going to be kind of more in the background today. I think probably we're going to have uh, the director, Jim Sullivan, do Hi. a little bit more of the conversation. George Kippenhan, who we know we don't have to really squeeze much out of him. He'll talk on command. <laughs> I'll be very quiet tonight. Of course, of course, George, starring as old the man, old man, the old man, and then Nicholas Kubek. Yeah, yeah. He is Ralphie, and then as mom. Or mother, it is Aaron Thomas Lapatosky. 
You crushed that second part of my name. Yeah, because I kind of got, go. I'm cheating a little bit because, you know, <laughs> Tachi. Um, so this is actually going to be hitting the stage uh, coming up on Saturday, December 3rd. Is that the first night, Jim? Yeah, and it's coming up. Yeah, so so we're rounding the bend here. Uh, yeah. Tech Week is uh, just uh, that far away. Yeah. And it's really coming together. I mean, the set is amazing. It's just about finished. It's beautiful. Get all the Christmas decor on it. Um, but the acting is so finely tuned right now. The comedy is hysterical. We have problems in rehearsal, like catching our breath sometimes, because we're just <laughs> we're laughing so hard <laughs> at, the, at the different parts of the show. Uh, and we're having a great time. We've got a great cast. They're more like a family even the uh, extended cast. Um, and it's 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 just been a, a wonderful experience, and I can't wait for people to see this. Aaron, for, for folks who don't know about theater and, and what it becomes when you are first, you know, you're, you audition, and then you you all get together, and you you do your blocking, and you get, you get ready, and you get into your parts, and then they kind of divvy things up before they bring everything together. Everybody's off book by a certain point in time. When is it that you become tight as a group? You've done theater many, many shows. I have. You're um, a veteran. I am. I've done shows for quite some time. In my personal experience, there's always a little bit of that spark and a connection with the cast at the first read-through mm. because it's a new show, new characters for you to be playing. You're meeting new people. Some are old and familiar faces. So you do get that little bit of exhilaration. You start... the blocking process as you had said and for me personally it's about two weeks before tech week where everything really melds where you've had enough time to interact with each person in the cast individually off the stage mm -hmm. so when they come in you can say you know how's your dog feeling today or as i ask nick every rehearsal how was math because um, <laughs> he loves math and you mean the questions you're asking. You genuinely care about how they're doing outside of rehearsal. You're proud of what they're doing on stage and off of the stage. And for me, by that time in the rehearsal process is when I personally feel like I've made those connections with people in the cast. Now, do you like Nick or Nicholas? Uh, I don't mind. Either one's fine. Okay. So are you, how many shows have you done? Uh, I mean, are you somebody who has gone to a Capuchoni? I mean, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, I go to Capuchoni School of Performing Arts. I've of done, course you do. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I've done. I've been doing that for like six years. This is my first um, out of Capuchoni show, like first uh, show. So you're outside of the building actually doing your acting chops. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's been pretty fun. Now, what is it like with the with the three of you as far as bonding goes? I mean, the, these are your, you know, your show parents per se. What has it been like trying to get get acclimated to them and bond with them? So, no pressure, Nick. We're <laughs> sitting right next to you, literally on either side right of answer. you. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think it was like, like we had like a lot of rehearsals at the beginning, just us. So I, I feel like, like we got to really get really close, and it was it wasn't really awkward or anything. It was just it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I really get to know them. And what is it like to do this role? I mean, how does this role of Ralphie compare to maybe past roles? Is this like kind of like a sub lead for you? Uh, I don't know. Playing the role was a ton of fun, and uh, I've actually played him before. So oh, so you have experience at this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
So we come to George. George, I mean, you, you, this isn't your first time here on the radio show, and and let's let's say it's almost kind of like a family affair because we've had Scotty here before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Scotty and Nick are actually in the same uh, class at Cappuccini, so it's uh, pretty neat to to work with Nick because I've seen him and Scotty perform together. It's nice to uh, be able to perform with. Uh, with, with Nick, he's just such a great actor and such a good kid, and I think that's what's so great about this cast that, that you know, usually there's one or two kids who you can't stand. I like all these kids, and that's, you know, what's weird. <laughs> I'm kidding. They are. They're awesome. They're all good kids. Yeah, they're like, talented. They're respectful. Oh, yeah. They're great. They're, they're like pros. They, they are. They, they come pros. in. They're focused the whole time. Yep. Um, they got great comedic timing. Oh, my. Yes, they do. And, and their chemistry together in their scenes. Uh, they have a lot of, uh, a few uh, different fantasy scenes, and they're just up there playing. It's like watching kids at recess, only yep. much much more spicier, much more funny. So, uh, so I would I would ask you this as the director, where you you get to kind of lead the direction of this for folks who who don't understand about this particular show. How does this show differ from the marathon we're about to endure in about a month? <laughs> when we watch that that particular movie, what's the difference or the the variation of a Christmas story compared to what we see in the theater or we see on our screens at home? Yeah, so whenever you have a book uh, versus a movie versus a play, uh, they're all different mediums, so they all hit a little bit differently. Rather than someone or something coming in over a screen, they're just a few feet away from you. And a lot of times in theater, we find ourselves watching the action on stage and breathing with the actors. We start having the experience that they're having on stage. Um, what I like particularly about A Christmas Story is I knew it from growing up and watching it as a kid. And uh, reading the script in preparation for this process, uh, I really saw it with new eyes as, as an adult. And um, that's what we're inviting the audience to do, to come in. And they're going to have all the laughs and all the, the, the classic moments from the movie. But we've snuck in a little bit of tenderness. We've stuck in a little bit of nostalgia in there, some little heartstrings that'll be plucked because uh, conceptually, you know what, that's what the holidays are. They're so mm. much fun. You have so much fun, but there's always those quieter moments that are a little tender and um, sometimes bittersweet and uh, a little romantic. Um, and I think the live audience is going to really experience that through the actor's eyes and... Um, living it up on stage. I've seen my share of shows, and it depends on as, as far as whether it's, it's under the direction of, of an individual as to some of the tweaks or the updating for a particular show, or maybe it might be a suggestion of cast members. What would you say it's more of? Is, is, is tweaks that you kind of said, hmm, maybe we need to do this, or maybe suggestions from some of the folks who you know are living the show? Um, my process as a director is totally about collaboration. So I'd say it's about 50-50. I walk in with a, a concept and I say to the actors, this is what we're going for. And then, you know, they're, they're contributing um, all their own personal emotions and things that they're pulling on from their own lives. And we work together to make one story. But, but it isn't just director and actors. It's, it's the set design. It's, it's the costumer. It's um, the props. It's, it's all the different things. And that's one of the great things about working at Massasoit is there's such an amazing creative team that really, it, there's no one person telling the story. We're all doing it together through the collaboration and the different art forms. Mm -hmm. 
So, George, when we're talking about the collaboration at Massasoit, talk to me about some of the individuals there, whether it's Mark Rochateau or whoever's designing the set or whoever the costumer is. How important is it that those individuals are on point when putting a show like this together? I don't know when Mark goes home. He doesn't. I, I really don't. Doesn't. My man's there. There's actually three of him. <laughs> He's there all the time. Because mm. uh, he cares so much about all of us, and you can feel the love there from all the cast with Mark. And Jim, of course, who I, I've worked with since the, the 1900s. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you have Gail uh, Gailman. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, who is an amazing prop mistress. Uh, she brings all the uh, the props. And, like, if you want a 1940s comic book on your desk, she's going to give it to you. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, Ricky DeSisto, who's, uh, I, I, who's one of my close friends, is playing the adult Ralph. I cannot tell you how impressed you get by it. Like, he's my friend, and I'm, like, on stage in awe of what he is doing in the show. Like, he... You know, if there were awards, give him all the awards because yeah. he is unbelievable as adult Ralph. And him and Nick together, it's magic. And that doesn't happen a lot on stage. And it's uh, it's so heartwarming um, to, just to go there and see everyone and how was your day and and all the kids are there and they're jumping around, you know, excited to get started. It, it, Nathan Fogg sets, forget about it. it it's... Yeah. It, Everyone's going to be transported back to the 1940s to the to the Santa uh, slide. I, there's a lot of fun stuff happening here. Yeah, Nathan is a is a veteran when it comes to whether he's on stage, behind the scenes. He does everything. I, I think yeah. I've joked with uh, you know uh, inside joke about French doors because if Nathan can put a French door in a scene, he will. But he's again he's a mad <laughs> genius when it comes to shows and having them be unique onto themselves mm -hmm. whether it's the lighting whether it's what you're seeing on stage do you remember when we did annie i was gonna bring that up but i, I i'll let you do it uh, I, I, and i think erin was an annie too i was not annie was right before my time oh no i know i was like a year later when i came in with gypsy Okay, that's where I'm confused. So, so Kevin and I were in Annie together, and you were one hell of a rooster. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and when they were talking about laughing, I would think that half the time you're center, you're the center of some of that laughter. Oh, I, I don't try to be. It's just sometimes it comes natural. Words come out. Um, but do you remember that Nathan Fogg was so talented that he had to do a week, uh, a weekend of playing rooster. And then another weekend of playing Daddy Warbucks Correct. while directing the show because of some circumstances that Correct. happened during the run. And he did it. And he did it. And he was unreal. He shaved his head one weekend. <laughs> like <gasps> it was it was insane. I could this? not believe it. But uh Nathan Fogg is just an amazing person, amazing friends, and an amazing uh, creative genius. Yeah, the will. whole crew, not just the production team, but even the backstage crew, just to sort of backpedal a little to the question you asked earlier. The crew becomes your extended family tech week. If they haven't already beforehand, mm -hmm. everyone backstage, because you're on that set piece that they're moving. You have to trust them with your safety, and they have your back. And the crew does not get enough recognition, uh, you know, mm -hmm. by audience members, because they don't know all of the backstage, you know, what happens. Nuances, yeah. The nuances, yeah. Yep. So the crew definitely gets wrapped in there by tech week, and then we are all this one big perfectly imperfect theater family. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely interesting. Would you would you agree with uh, some of the sentiments that you're hearing here? I yeah. think what I wanted to ask you is, 
is that what it's like to interact with uh, the adult version of your character. Yeah, yeah. So during during the um, show, I don't really, I can't, I can't really talk to him because he's kind of older. Him, it's like him looking back on a memory. But yeah, it's like the Back to the Future thing. You can't talk to your future. <laughs> yeah, 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 I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Gotcha. But um, yeah, like we've been. I don't know. He's really talented, and yeah, I feel like it's going well. I think it was very like cool to put the narrator on the stage with us because then it, like he kind of like brings everyone into the set and on, into the story and it just helps it and yeah okay. yeah one of the things we're doing is rather than having him just be an omniscient narrator off to the side he's reliving everything as he's telling it and he's right there in the living room up in the bedroom with young Ralphie or like uh, on the playground with the kids or in the schoolhouse sure. he's going through all of it and the two of them are like mirror images of each other exactly gesturing at the same time and all this just occurred naturally in, in the rehearsal process between the two of them it's, 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 it's magical what's the difference for you Jim between a regular show that isn't around November and December, a holiday show, compared to a show that is, you know, in the spring or during the summer. Is there something more unique to a holiday show like this? Um, there's a different buzz in the audience right before the curtain goes up. It's people, I mean, people are excited. Um, you know, I mean, think of the feeling you have when you sit down and watch your favorite holiday movie, right, with your family in your pajamas with your popcorn. But you're out and you're a little dressed up. You're, it's a little more festive. There's a little bit more excitement. You know, you spend a little extra on popcorn and concessions and okay. you're, like, you're really uh, out there to have a good time. And of course, you know, the holiday messages, they hit a little differently because your heart is a little bit more open during that time of year. So, um, yeah, it's just a little bit different than, than going to see another show. It's just a little bit more special, a little ma more magical. The last time we did A Christmas Story in 2018, when the house is ready to open, the lights on stage are all on, the house is beautifully illuminated, and there's Christmas music playing when you walk in. So these doors open, and immediately the audience is put right into that Christmas spirit. Transformed. This, it's, it's outstanding. It immediately puts you in more of a holiday mood than you were already in, and it just makes you so much more excited for the show. Particularly in the first two weekends of December, too, because you're yeah. ready. At yeah. that point, Thanksgiving's yeah. over, December's just beginning, you're ready for the season, and you're like, bring it on. Yep. It just uh, the, If you're just tuning in, uh, we're speaking with uh, the folks, uh, not only the director, but uh, the major cast of... A Christmas Story, Massasoit Theater Company presents the holiday classic, A Christmas Story. And just so you know, uh, the first show is Saturday, December 3rd. Is that correct, Mr. Producer? So you have a Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and actually, there are two shows. Uh, uh, it's a matinee, right? Uh, on the 4th, December 4th. Uh, following week, it is uh, Friday the 9th at 8 p.m. Saturday, December 10th at 8 p.m., and then another matinee on December 11th. Uh, for tickets, easy enough to do, 508-427-1234. I don't think they have ever changed that number. It's the same number because I don't have to look at the paper. Good I number. can still remember the gosh darn <laughs> number. Uh, or you can go to their website, massasoit.edu forward slash box office, $20 
probably the best $20 you're going to spend for a holiday show. Have you gone into Boston and tried to go see a show? Not that it's a bad thing. Not that I don't like Emerson's Colonial Theater. But it's the parking and, and how to get in there. It's it's easy. Local community theater is where it's at. If you're a senior, a student, uh, if you're a child, or a veteran, tickets are $18. Located at the Brockton campus in the Buckley Performance Arts Center. Now, we just got a, a couple of minutes left here. Let's let's talk about the holidays. Is everybody here ready for Thanksgiving? What's your, what's your favorite part of Thanksgiving? We'll start ladies first. Erin. My favorite part of Thanksgiving, are you ready for it? Stovetop stuffing. Really? Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to put it out there. I have brought it to people's houses. I don't need the fancy stuff. I love spending time with family. I love spending time with friends. My favorite traditional Thanksgiving food is stovetop stuffing. Do you put anything in the stove? Do you put any cranberries? Nope. Or I just or... right out of that box. Right out just of a the little box. extra butter. And the people in my life who love me the most are not offended when I show up to their house with my own stovetop. <laughs> I make enough for other people, but. <laughs> uh, how about you, Nicholas? Uh, yeah, I, I, I really like Thanksgiving. Um, I like the Macy's Day Parade. I always watch that with oh, my yeah. family. <gasps> I like watching the different, like, um, sometimes they have, like, musicals on there. I like watching different musicals perform. And, you know, like, the food. Did <laughs> <laughs> you have a favorite? That, that's that's like stove top. Are you about the bird, or are you about a side dish, or the desserts? I'm a big food guy. I like all of it equally. <laughs> I can't put one over the other. I might offend them, you know? You don't, discri- you don't discriminate, right? No. You just all right, so, so I'd be out of order if I made you do a top five, right? Yeah. I might feel a little mean. Okay. How about you? What do you love, George, about the holiday season? And, uh, again, you're a guy who, who likes food, right? So I'm a big food guy, yeah. Uh, give me my mom's turkey, a uh, piece of apple pie, and the Patriots, and we're good. Really? Yeah. We shouldn't talk about yesterday's game, huh? The big win. Big win. They almost lost. Hey, almost only counts in horseshoes and something else. <laughs> <laughs> and me in high school. Only, <laughs> only things Pat's fans would say. Excellent. <laughs> Jim, how about you? Um, I would say, uh, um, you know, the other day at rehearsal, I was watching George go on and on about this turkey in, in character, of course, in the show. And I was like, you know what? I'm really craving turkey. I'm looking forward to that turkey this <laughs> yeah. year. But our, our family gets together and we, my mom, she, uh, sorry if you're listening, um, she makes us go around the table and say <laughs> what we're thankful for and it gets awkward, but it's it's nice though too because, you know, you, you're talking from your heart sometimes. And yeah. Uh, But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm ready for the holidays, though, in December. Yeah, so, with my yeah. family, it's like highs and lows. What were your What are your highs and lows of the of the season? <laughs> yeah. Usually, the youngest one will start it, and I'll try to find a way to excuse myself and go get a piece of pie or something. <laughs> and usually, it usually goes well. So, so knowing that you have a holiday bump here, how do you how do you keep on with you know the show and, and rehearsing? Do you, you got to take a little bit of a break for this week? Or well, you... as far as the cast is concerned, they were ready last week to start this show. I mean, they're ready to go. They're ready to go. So we're in great shape. So the break will be nice. It'll give the actors some rest. Um, they can fuel up and get their energy back from hardworking rehearsals and all of that. The crew will have a couple of days before and after the holiday to uh, you know really fine tune some of the final things before we go into Tech Week. But we're ready to go. Now, will you guys do any kind of uh, walk at the Greater Brockton Holiday Parade? Now, that is another little aspect of uh, being having a, a theater show. 
is and I believe that the director will have his little Santa hat on the the brick chimney that he wears. Who, which, uh, are any of you going to be doing the walk in the holiday parade? All of us so are we all are. I have to say, Mark has his our producer. He has his signature hat every year. Yep. I don't want people to th- to get confused because if you had the same signature hat, Jim, Mark could no longer have it a signature hat. Work. And who? But yeah, we will all be there. We'll be on the float. Actually, majority of the cast will be there. Um, we have some members of the cast walking next to the float passing out flyers and interacting with people on the route just to kind of get them motivated and ready to go. Come to the show. How important is that? How important is it getting back to the way life was prior to the pandemic, Jim? Oh, especially with the arts and with theater. I mean, it, it just to getting people. And you know what's amazing? And someone commented about this the other day on social media. It's so wonderful to see shows locally that are selling out. Yeah. People are hungry for it. They want to get back and see the shows. And, yep. you know, we, we all want to see each other and what everybody. So it's a kind of a shuffle of trying to figure out how to get to all the different ones. It's very important. It's important because... You know, the live experience of theater versus a movie or just TV, uh, it's, it's, it's the presence. It's, it's, it's part of being alive. It is. And real quick before you have to go, we just wanted to, the cast that couldn't be here, we have the best cast in the world. Ricky DeSisto, Ian Law, Gabriel Lloyd, Kyle Kashkagan, Danny McPhee, Anjali D'Olivera, Molly McCarthy, Whitney Lloyd. Amazing, fantastic. If you know them, come and see it. If you don't know them, come and see it anyways yeah. because they are awesome. Yeah. Ralph, anything you want to say? AKA Nicholas? Come see a Christmas story. Because <laughs> no. it's great. Don't shoot your eye out. Yeah, don't, yeah, shoot, don't your shoot your eye out. out. Don't shoot your eye out. Come see it. Yeah. Well, I, I want to tell all of you, not you, Jim, because you're not going to be in the show, right? You're not doing any cameos. No, I mean, my, my work is almost over, so okay. I'll be sitting out in the house. I mean, this with all due respect, break a leg. I hope it goes well. Again, Thank you. if you want tickets for this fantastic show, uh, opening night, December 3rd, 508-427-1234, uh, slash box office. That's your way to be able to get tickets. Uh, and I hope to be able to come over and see one of the shows. And if you want to get into the Christmas spirit, this is the best way to do it. Go to a local community show where they're going to put their hearts into it, and you'll walk out with a smile on your face. We are going to uh, we're going to say goodbye until next week at six fifteen p.m. Uh, may you have a fantastic Thanksgiving, you and your loved ones, and get out to the holiday parade and make sure you go see. A Christmas story brought to you by Massasoit Theater Company.